All right, world, this is Irony Singleton, and you're listening to the Walking Dead TV podcast. Zombies abound. <laughs> The world we know is gone. No Google, no Amazon.com, no email, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Hey everyone, welcome to the Walking Dead TV podcast. It's episode 10. I am here currently with Mr. Jim Dietz. Hello, Jim. Hello, John. Good morning. Good morning to you. It's a very special episode. They all are, but this one's a little bit more special. Uh, we are about to play our interview with Mr. Irony Singleton, who you might know better right now as T-Dog. So that's pretty awesome. He's a pretty consistent Twitter user, and uh, he likes to reach out to his fans and interact and talk to them about the shows and stuff, so we were able to contact him through Twitter, and uh, he's been very gracious, and we're going to get a little time with him this morning, so that's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome, especially, I mean, he's one of the characters that was written especially for the show. I'm really interested to ask him about that. Yeah, so we're not going to waste any more of your time, because I'm sure everybody wants to get to the interview, so uh, away we go. Here's our interview with Mr. Irony Singleton. We have the grand opportunity today to talk to Mr. Irony Singleton, portrayer of T-Dog on the, uh, the Walking Dead TV series. How are you this morning, sir? I am excellent. Are we all connected here? We're all connected. This is John. I have uh, Jordan and Jim with me right now. Jordan, Jim, how y'all doing? Good nice morning, to meet you, sir. Mr. Singleton. Hey, good morning. Where, where are you guys? I am in, uh, I'm on Long Island. Long and- Island, nice. We have Jersey and Pittsburgh representing, so we're, we're all over the map. Nice. Okay, and now I'm going to connect us to the south side down here in Atlanta, GA. All right, very good. Thank you for having me. Oh, th- no, thanks for coming on. We, we know you're a real busy guy, and, and we appreciate it. Oh, no problem at all. It's my pleasure. I'm very glad to have this opportunity to speak with you. As you know, we're all big fans of the show and of your work. We really, uh, really enjoy what you guys are doing so far. Did you have any idea it was going to be this popular? I mean, this is one of the highest-rated cable shows um, ever, I guess. Um, it's really setting a lot of records and a lot of buzz. Did you have any idea going into it it was going to be this this big? Whoa, no, no way, no way, Jim. Uh, not until I got on the set. I got on the set and uh, just the energy on the set and the writing was so uh, amazing. And then the cast that we had, I said, once we bring this all together, and then, of course, the director and the executive producers and the makeup people, I said, once we bring this all together, we're going to have something amazing. So um, that basically kind of echoed throughout, the, uh, throughout my time on the set during the production because look, between me and the castmates, my other castmates. So, so yeah, we have something there. But beforehand... I, I hadn't a clue. Did you, um, when, when you were handed, well, maybe you could talk about it a little bit, getting handed or approached about, you know, a zombie apocalypse script for a TV show. You know, what was your, <laughs> what was your reaction when you read that the first time? <laughs> well, I didn't know it was a zombie apocalypse show. I just knew my agent came to me. He was like, 
Yeah, irony. I um, would you like to? Are you interested in auditioning for The Walking Dead? Because I hadn't heard of the uh, the comic book. Shamefully, I admit that. Um, so I was like, uh, The Walking Dead. I was like, I don't know. And my agent was like, because I said, yeah, the title of The Walking Dead, it sounds like something that I, I might not be too interested in. And I said that because, you know, I'm not too big on horror because I was traumatized <laughs> as a kid from watching uh, a lot of Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. So that's what it sounded like. And then he said Frank Darabont was the director. I said, wait a minute. Yes, I do know. I said, uh, I'm interested. Um, and so when I read the script and I was like, all right, this is interesting. Found out that Gail Ann Hurd, who is the executive producer of uh, Aliens, uh, Terminator, Armageddon, a lot of other big blockbuster projects, and the list goes on, found out she was attached to it as well, and then got a hold of uh, some of uh, Robert Kirkman's material, who is the creator of The Walking Dead, and I said, this is, this is great. And so I was ecstatic. Yeah, we, we kind of come from the comic book background. That's like mm -hmm. our end of it. And the uh -huh. one thing that really, you know, we were nervous when we heard this show was, was coming out because we love the book so much. And you never know how it's going to translate, you know, to live action. Right. Uh, but once, like you said, when we had heard that it was Darabont and, and Gail Ann heard, and of course Robert Kirkman was going to stay very involved, you know, that kind of gave us a sigh of relief. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. So I was, I was the same way. I said, we, we have all the, the, the original, we have the original player, so to speak, in uh, Robert Kirkman and... Uh, and he was there, he was on the set periodically, and he was working very closely with us. So that was uh, an indication that, you know, they're, they're taking this thing very seriously and trying to, uh, trying to keep it as, 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 as closely related to the comic book as, as possible. And I think we did that. Well, speaking of staying close to the comic book, you have a brand new character who doesn't show up in the books. As an actor, do you prefer the experience of having a character that's already in existence to base your, your characterization on, or do you prefer that clean slate in this case? Well, that, that doesn't really matter as long as I have a character that's something meaty that I can sink my teeth into. So, um, you know, with a character that is non-existent, then at, at least there's, a, there's a, a free, a clean slate there so that I can just be creative as an actor, but then... At the same time, through the writing, you get indications of what that character is like. So you still kind of, you know, you still have these personality traits or whatnot that you kind of pick up uh, from through the writing itself. But then at the same time, you have characters that are already created. Then, you know, you don't have to do much work as an actor. Um, uh, there's less freedom there. But still at the same time, you still get the freedom to roam just a little bit, you, you know, to kind of uh, venture off course a bit. So it, it could go either way, just as long as it's something meaty. That's John. That's you, John, right? That was Jordan. That's Jordan. Oh, I'm sorry, Jordan. It's all right. John's the one with the outrageous accent. It's okay. <laughs> this is, this is, we're, we're, all, we're all three uh, all three J names, so it's easy to get confused. Yeah, the, the triple J connection. <laughs> We've also got Brad on the line uh, from Texas, but uh, he couldn't he couldn't come on uh, mic at the moment. But he wanted to say oh, hi. Oh, well, we miss you, Brad. All right, I'm gonna miss you, brother. Hello to you. Since uh, since the popularity of the show, since the show has taken off, um, I know you hadn't heard of the comic before the project came along, but have you gotten any uh, response from the fans, um, like like Ooh. us who have been fans of the comic all along and are, now are fans of the show? Oh, 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 a bunch of them, especially like my, my Twitter fans, uh, the the real, the true fanatics. They, they give me like 
extra enthusiasm towards the show because of how gung-ho they are about it. So it makes me love the show even more, and it makes me more and more excited about this whole zombie apocalypse uh, craze thing. But, yeah, I hear from them a lot, and they just talk about how they love this show. Out of every uh, negative comment, which is like one out of every 50 or 100, so that's a that's a that's a good number. I like that ratio. We found you through Twitter, so that's really the fans really appreciate that you like to interact and stuff. And I know that yeah. Twitter is just like blowing up with you know that hashtag the Walking Dead. I mean, it's it's crazy right now. Wow, it's it's ridiculous. I, you know, I just I, I thank God every day, and I, I look at my wife, and maybe if not every day, every other day, and 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 ask how did I get in to this situation right here like this one year pretty much after the blind side i land which is which was one of the biggest movies of 2009 and i end up in which will probably be one of the biggest tv shows of all time not just of 2010 but ever this thing is that huge so people are stoked we just and i'm i'm in that pack i'm guilty of it <laughs> One thing we wanted to ask was uh, when we were doing a little research, uh, we found that you were actually born and raised in Atlanta. So can you yes. tell us a little bit about shooting on location for this kind of project and, and what that's like for you? Well, it was it was surreal. I was thinking about because we were shooting maybe minutes away. One of the locations was minutes away from where I grew up, which was uh, an inner city housing project. Not not too far from there. Like I said, minutes, three, four minutes. And I was thinking about the contrast that was presented, like from where I came to where I was at that time. You know, years prior to, I was ducking and dodging bullets and trying to survive in the project. And here I am, and, you know, years later, working on a major uh, Hollywood production TV show. So it was just so surreal, and I got emotional at times. I got a bit choked up because it just, you know, imagining the, just the, the power of that supreme being, that, that higher power that has such a major effect on my life, a major influence that kind of led me to this point. So it was surreal. That's the one word I could use to, to, to sum it up. That would be the one. Yeah, I would imagine uh, looking down from the top of the building, you know, on the streets where you used to run around as a young guy <laughs> must have been amazing. Right, right. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm just... Uh, I'm just thankful to be in this position, you know, seeing everything. Because I was talking to uh, uh, Lori Holden. We were working on a, about to shoot another scene, and I was like, yeah, I, I went to that school right there. We were like, we drove past the school where I grew up. We drove past the neighborhood, although they've torn that down since. But I was like, this is where I lived, right here. My building was right here. But uh, And, you know, it was just talking about it. I kind of relived those moments. But uh, looking in retrospect, it was, it, was, it was a good thing, very refreshing at the time. But... Actually, during the time, it wasn't, so just a great feeling. Just a great feeling. Sure. Now, The Walking Dead's known for being a comic series, now a TV series, where no character's safe. Now that the show's a hit, uh, is the possibility of being killed off something that's always on the mind of you and the rest of the cast? Ooh, I'm, I'm more paranoid than the cast of The Sopranos when they started just <laughs> knocking off all of those characters. Right? And uh, I remember one of the guys, I can't think of his name right now, he said they woke up, they woke up looking behind themselves and like, oh, is, is today my day? And we're like that. I was talking to, uh, you know, John Bernthal and I were talking. He was like, he's one of the main characters, you know, Shane, and he's paranoid. He's like, I don't know when I'll be taken out. 
So, of course, that's a major concern for me. <laughs> P-Dog. <laughs> we, while we're on the subject of Shane, I have to throw this in because our listeners are really getting a kick out of it. Do you think that he's pulling his pants up a little too high on the show? <laughs> Shane? Yeah. We have numerous like Twitter responses that say his pants are up too high. Like he looks like our grandfather or something like that. <laughs> you know that? At least. <laughs> the, I saw that one time and that was only when he was he was walking uh towards uh well twice. And he was walking towards Norman Reedus when he was about to tell Norman Reedus about his brother Merle and the time when he went over to uh Ed also to put Ed in his place. Um, rightfully so. But yeah, I was like, those pants are really high up on this. <laughs> I'm going to tease him about that now that you brought that up, but I thought I was the only one that was saying it that way. But yeah, they oh. are really high. You can tell them it's all over the internet. It's not It's not just you. <laughs> I think he's going to get a big laugh from that, though. Cause, uh, yeah, my wife is even chuckling about that. I think she, she noticed it also. But I don't I don't know if the... If the uh, the costumer, the wardrobe designer, told him to put him up like that if, he, if it was just a personal choice of his own. <laughs> but I chuckle. Yeah, I get my chuckles in saying that. One of the things I really like about your character and, and a lot of the characters in general, and, and it really talks to the writing and the directing, is that you know the, the characters are, are all in kind of a gray area. You know what I mean? They're not 100% good or 100% bad. We really see that with those scenes with you and uh, Michael Rooker's character uh, on the roof, you know, the whole scene leading up to dropping the key or whatnot. Um, as an actor, is, that, is, is playing a character that, that's so multidimensional, is that more challenging to you than, than just playing you know, something that's just like straight line, okay, this is this person, and it, it doesn't give you as much room to breathe? No, no, I think that, that, that is one of the things that kind of attracted me uh, to the, the craft of acting, because, you know, when you, you get the opportunity to go, you could go left and go right, that's how the drama is created, because nobody really knows, and, and I hope I'm... I hope I'm answering the question that you asked, and I hope I understood it correctly. But, that, I mean, I think that's part of the excitement of, of acting. You know, I think that is what creates drama because people don't know what a person is capable of. You, you never know which way they're going to go. And I like that for my character because that means that, 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 means that there, there's more writing to be done for Tito, meaning that I could possibly last a lot longer than, than some people are anticipating, given the fact that, they think T-Dog is, I mean, he's, he's this new character people never heard of, you know, he never heard of in the comic book. So it, it makes it more, it makes it more intriguing. And how much, yeah. I just wanted to ask, how, how much of you gets to be in T-Dog? Like how much room for interpretation is there and how much is laid out for you uh, in terms of the script? T tons of interpretation uh, because uh, what I do when, when I'm doing my character work, uh, gentlemen, I start with my life story, and I take it as far back as I can, and I bring it up to uh, to uh, where I bring it as far as I can, um, as long as it makes sense, as long as it it seems as though that's something the character would do. Like so, for T Dog, I look at him as a, as an everyman. I look at T Dog as this blue collar slash white collar worker. He could go either route. He could work for, you know. Uh, uh, you know, he could, he could work for the airlines transferring luggage, or he could work for uh, a bank, you know, and uh, dealing with money transactions every day. 
So, but I took it as far back as I, as I go, which is, like I said, in the projects all the way up through college, which is why I went to the University of Georgia, say so he's a football player. And then pretty much from right there, I had to stop because everything after that is like about my career as an actor. And I just didn't see T-Dog as an actor because um, he would have been too over the top, I think. So, um, but yeah, I, I just have tons of room for interpretation. I think with most of the kids, I think that's the, Good thing about being an actor, we're, we're free to create. Like I said, not to sound redundant, though. You, you mentioned earlier that as a child you were you were scarred by some horror movies. Are you opening up to more horror movies now that you're now that you're on the show, or are you still staying away from them for the most part? Oh no, the damage has been done. I'm <laughs> I'm ruined. I'm ruined for life. You know, <laughs> so I'm open to all. What I do now, I watch horror movies. I watch Friday the Thirteenth, y'all, and I just laugh. It's funny to me now. But then, as a kid, I didn't understand that, you know, a lot of that stuff is just not logical. It didn't make sense. But with, with The Walking Dead, even though it's about a zombie apocalypse, I've never seen a zombie in real life, but it's so real because the, the writing makes so much sense and everything is so well connected. But I don't run from scary movies these days. You know, even, even as an actor, like, I, I didn't shy away from this, this role. Um, so I, I'll watch a scary movie. What do you have in mind? You want to go uh, check out um, <laughs> Tall, Six, Seven? What, what do you want to do? <laughs> what we like about The Walking Dead is it's really not about the zombies. I mean, the characterization is huge and the relationships and everything. And I think the show is just starting to scratch the surface in that area. Right, right. It is. I was, uh, a lot of people like, man, a zombie, a zombie show is not going to last. I'm like, no, this thing is way bigger than that. It's the story. It's what, and that's what, that, that's what makes Robert Kirkman's creation so special because it's the it's the underlying drama right between the human beings and all of that tension that's building from trying to escape all of these zombies it's like now that tension builds between the human beings just like in any stressful situation in real life you have stressful situations you have a lot of drama that's created from the stress that people are dealing with and that i think that's the ultimate in stress when you're running from zombies right so and having that type of situation, now you got the situation with T-Dog and Merle and, and Ed and, and, and Shane. Shane wants to knock out somebody because, and look at what he's doing to his wife, which he was probably, Ed was beating his wife, I mean. And, and there's some other stuff that will come out later on, and you'll see, and uh, which will really disturb you about this character, Ed. So it's just all of the drama that is created from dealing with the stress of the zombies. And that's the beautiful thing. And, 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 and the story, like the storyline, it's like, it's just so beautiful. So that's the thing that makes the story interesting, not just the zombies. And I tell people that I said, you're going to get, you're going to, you have suspense. You've got drama. You've got it's interlaced with, with bits of humor. Um, you've got the horror aspect of it. And, uh, it's there's something there for everybody. Except for the children, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I know the damage that was done to me. So that's what makes this thing so special. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are hundreds of zombie movies, but there, I mean, there are very few that you know you have a sense of realism, like The Walking Dead. I think that realism really comes from the characterization of you actors, you know, acting as people. I think really would put in that kind of stressful situation. Exactly. And what what Frank Darabont said when we were first at, at our first read through, he was like, "I want this to be as real as possible. I don't want this to be that cheesy stuff that you see in some of these other horror movies. I want you to play it as if your life is in jeopardy." as if these zombies are really trying to take you out. And that's the approach we had to it when we started shooting. So 
And I think it, it, it plays well, comes across, and people can really relate to it, as opposed to those cheesy little punchlines and stuff like that. It was like, no, but we, even, if, even if we have a couple of those, it's like, play, play it real. Play it for what it is. You know, don't try to get a laugh from, from those things. Um, and I think that that's another aspect of it that just makes it so uh, attractive to, to people and appealing. Right, like it's like saying True Blood. I mean, saying The Walking Dead is just about zombies is like saying True Blood is just about vampires, or you know, it's it's definitely more about the characters and more about the storyline that's going on than the actual. I mean, the horror aspects are almost secondary. You know, what I mean, it's more about the exactly. people's reaction to that than than about the the zombies themselves. Exactly, which I should have just said that the, the primary uh, aspect of the show, as opposed to underlying, when I said the drama that's underlying, that's actually on the surface. I could say. Maybe the zombie aspect is the underlying part. That's like the second. That's like the icing on the cake. Can I put it like that? It's like the storyline, the drama between all of us, all the characters. That's a cake. That's a nice red velvet cake. And then you add the zombies to it. That's like the creamy dressing. What kind of cream is you? The cheesecake cream. That's yeah, what that, that is. Cream, yeah. cream cheese frosting. Yeah. We like cake. Cream cheese frosting. <laughs> you like cake? I can tell. Who likes cake? <laughs> I think all of us like, like cake. cake. Yeah, I yeah, think we so, all. I think we all like cake. Like a fat boy like cake. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that would be the perfect uh, comparison or analogy, right there. It's a red velvet cake with all the cream cheese frost. Yes. So the one of the only negatives that we have heard is that mm-hmm. people can't believe it's only six shows and it's halfway over already. Uh, <sighs> what? What do you what do you have planned now for the off season and how soon do you get to work? I know the second season was just kind of announced. So where where does right. it go for the from here? Well, I'm heart I'm heartbroken myself. My my wife is heartbroken. Everybody, it seems like everybody I've talked to, they've become hooked on this thing and they're not like horror movie fanatics. They're not horror junkies. And they're like, man, we only get six episodes, and they're torn to shreds because of that. And I feel the same way. So right now I'm just uh, headed back to L.A. in, in January, and uh, I may not be able to land another pilot because we're supposed to uh, gear back up and get going in, in May. So I don't know if that would be enough time for me to maybe do another a movie or two, maybe one. If I could get one in, that would be good. But as far as doing another TV pilot. I don't know if that's possible. So it depends. And they said that it's coming out. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is just from, from what I've seen in the tabloids. But they said that the next season two is supposed to premiere next October. So that's unless they choose to move up the shoot dates, then I guess that's going to happen. If we start shooting in May, then I guess it will probably take about four or five months to, to get in the post-production editing room and everything. I'm playing about here. We thought the uh, the Halloween opening was fantastic. Just the whole fear. What is it? Fear Fest. I'm sorry, Jordan. Am I screwing that up? It is Fear Fest. Yeah, the whole fear, fear Fest, Fest angle and everything. That was cool. It was perfect, and I think that okay, and that's that's part of the angle. That that's part of the angle of AMC to do that next year. Because I think, I mean, I think it'll work out. But my fear is that, and and which is what other people have also voiced as well. Like, will people lose interest? But I think this is one of those shows that you can't lose interest. Like my wife said. She was huge on Heroes. That was the last show she was attached to. And she watched a few episodes, and next thing you know, they went off the air, or they just started showing me a, a bunch of uh, uh, encore presentations, like the reruns. 
And she got out of it. She said, I don't need this attachment anyway because I have too much going on in my life. So I can't just be attached to a show like that. And she just kind of fell out of love with it. And so that's the fear that people may fall out of love with it. But I think this thing is so much better than Heroes. Although I only watched one episode of Heroes. No knock on that. But um, I Trust think me, it's, so it's, much it's better eons than better than Heroes. <laughs> it's, okay, okay. I was thinking so. So I don't, I don't know how people would lose, lose an attachment to this show. So I think they'll they'll probably be more amp they'd be more highly anticipating it by next October and they will have probably spread the word to more people that will probably be highly anticipating it as well. So I imagine a DVD release would probably precede that as well. That would make a lot of sense if maybe they came out with the DVD of the first six episodes, like maybe a month mm -hmm. before, to build up the hype. Right, that's the talk. So um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's the case. I mean, they're, they're pretty smart about what they're doing. Just like with the launch of it on uh, during Fear Fest, uh, Halloween, that was very smart. And then launching it pretty much right around that area in other countries a week after or maybe days before. I think it launched in the UK. Was it the 28th? Either UK or uh, Russia or somewhere a few days before. So they're smart about it. So I know they'll they'll take care. Of it. Now, you've gotten a chance to work with Gail Anherd. You've gotten a chance to work with uh, Daremont 10 years in the future, let's say. Let's, let's say Walking Dead stays on the air for 10 years, and we, we can mm -hmm. only hope about that. But uh, mm -hmm. who do Thanks you want to work with in the future as an actor? As director or producer or castmates or... Anybody in the business that you, you just would love to work with. Wow, wow. I couldn't... Start, I mean, the list would go on and on. I, I couldn't just name one person because there's, I mean, there's so many people whose work I respect. Think about, think about the entire canon of just movies and, and TV shows. I just couldn't name one person because if I named one person, then I, I, we'd be on the phone another five hours, guys. <laughs> like, so I don't even want to start. That's a slippery slope that I don't want to go down. You say, well, name one or two. It's like, no, because everybody, I, I hold so many people at such... Uh, high esteem, it just, you know, of course, I, I love, you know, I like to say, of course, Frank Darabont and Gail Ann Hurd, and I can get away with that. That's not a slippery slope, 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 I'm sorry, because I'm working with them right now, but there's so many, there's so many. I just, I'd rather not even venture down that, that path. That's certainly <laughs> understandable. <laughs> yeah. All right, Irony, we are so happy to have you on the show, but we don't want to take any more of your time. You've been so gracious uh, with it already. And uh, I know from everyone, all the fans that we interact with and everyone on the cast, we, we thank you and we want to wish you guys continued success on the fantastic show. And hopefully we'll catch up with you again, maybe during season two. Thank you so very much. And I appreciate you guys. I love you all. And I love you fans. And you guys keep up the good work. Y'all take care. Thanks very much. Thank you. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank I you. appreciate you. Thanks. All sir. right. Y'all take care. Bye-bye. Okay, so once again, we want to thank Irony Singleton for joining us on the show. It was a great pleasure to have him on, and uh, like we said, hopefully we get to speak to him again sometime. We'd like to thank Shane Freeman of Influential.com. Uh, that was kind of our contact person to set things up with Irony, and, and she was great and, and got everything scheduled, and, uh, and that was awesome. So thanks to them and her. I guess we will be back on Tuesday morning slash afternoon for episode 11, where we'll, we will have our review of the fourth Walking Dead installment entitled Vatos. 
Until then, you can always find us at walkingdeadtv.com or hhwlod.com. Call the voicemail at 516-468-7912. Email comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Or, of course, join all of the Twitter festivities at WDTV Podcast. So this is John, and for Jim and Jordan and all the rest of the guys, we'll see you next time on the Walking Dead TV Podcast. <laughs>